You are listening to the She Leads Me podcast, episode number 37, with collaborative conversations with Heather Simpson and Maddie Wilner. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible women in leadership, tools you need as a badass female pioneer, and spicy topics around business and leadership. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women in leadership positions, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Leads Me. everybody it's heather simpson and maddie wolner we are here for this podcast collaboration that we're doing this is our second episode doing it we still don't know what we're calling it yet if you guys have any suggestions we are so excited to hear them talk about whatever we're gonna call ourselves like girl chat sisterhood something i don't know but anyways we are here if you didn't dive into our first episode we did introduce ourselves we did talk about um, a really amazing topic but also just kind of told you like what our goal is for doing this and collaborating and we are just going to be talking about different topics that we see come our way through our different businesses and just have a conversation with each other to get different perspectives, to learn from each other, and just also open up the dialogue for a conversation around some things that might be uncomfortable to some people, some things that might not be the, you know, quote unquote, sexy topics to talk about on social media, like how to gain a big following, or I don't know, right? Like, these are are the things that are the realness that we experience as women, and just on our journeys in life that may or may not have to do with business, that may just have to do with who we are and how we show up in this world as individuals. And we're here to talk about that. So our topic that we're going to kick off with today is looking at the lens that we see things through. And my question for everybody today and what we're going to talk about is, do you play a victim role? Do you play the victim in your life without realizing it? And I know for me, that there have been many situations where that rang very true. Growing up, I played the victim role. I didn't have the best upbringing. I didn't necessarily feel like I had a happy childhood. I didn't, there was a lot of things that I felt shorted on for whatever reason. And it wasn't until I started again kind of like my journey and like personal growth and development that I really realized that I was doing that and sabotaging so much of my life mm. and I just wanted to bring it up as a topic of conversation today because I do see that a lot and it is a conversation that does come up and with the people that I consult as well mm. where I do have mm-hmm. to call them out sometimes and be like listen you got to change your lens sister because you are approaching this from a place of a victim mentality where you have no control but we all have the ability to be empowered and take back our control. And mm-hmm. I just I just wanted to talk about that today and just address that because it doesn't always, those conversations that I have with other women don't always land very well, right? Because right. shining the light on some of the darker spots on ourselves mm-hmm. is just really uncomfortable. Yeah, when you told me that you wanted to talk about this, I was like, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, 
um, introducing the topic, it kind of dawned on me that, or maybe this is just my thought. Don't you think this is kind of like a, a defense mechanism, maybe like a safety mode 100%. that we use to, to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. When something, when something happens, whether it's in our control, whether it's not in our control, um, and we don't like how it's a making us feel or the results that are going to, um, come from what is happening. Isn't it just protection? Isn't it just a defense mechanism to be like, Oh, that's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is happening to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, absolutely. And kind of what we touched on in our previous episode where we talked about like surrounding yourself with the right people and really having that start with yourself and kind of like, again, working through kind of like the yucky stuff of our lives and what we have to change in ourselves before we can expect the right people to show up in our lives or in this situation, see things for what they really are because it is so much easier to just be like, poor me. Those people are doing like, yes, people have actions that impact you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that you are victim to them and does mean that you play a role in how you engage in that, Mm -hmm. how you respond to that and how you carry forth into the next stage of where that is going to be. And I 100% agree that it it does become a defense mechanism because it makes us feel better because there's a reason why it's happening. And Mm -hmm. again, we don't have to do the hard work to tap into what it is in us that we need to change to have a different outcome for ourselves. So I 100% agree with you on that. 100%. Yeah. And as like children, I think that's our natural go-to is to become defensive and, oh, it's not my fault. It's happening to me. And then at some point in our lives, we have to take accountability and responsibility for what is happening to us and and how we engage and respond, like Mm -hmm. you said. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that I didn't mention to you, and um, here's a little resource, and maybe you've seen this or not. It's um, Hal Elrod, who wrote The Miracle Morning. He did a little talk, uh, it's called uh, Can't Change It, Hmm. and he talks about how he got into a car accident, and um, he responded, like, positively to this, and his wife was so confused, like, oh my god, you just crashed your brand new car, and he's like, I I can't change it. The only thing that I can control is how I'm responding, and I thought that was so amazing. I showed that to my team years ago. Because I loved it so much, it is our responsibility to react intentionally. Yeah, 100%. And I I mean, I still, like, even in conversations that I have with people that I work with or even conversations with my children, right? Like, as a parent, like, how am I showing up? How am I also equipping them, right? If they're having issues with each other and, like, coming to me to t- try to, like, mm-hmm. pitch their story, right? It's like, right. okay. I need you guys to go like figure this out and deal with this on your own. And like you guys try to come together to like see each other's side and like be responsible for how your tone is, how you're showing up, what your response Mm -hmm. is to things. I guarantee you that will change the outcome of what you're experiencing right now. And I mean, what a powerful example with how, where like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he saw that as like a, okay, I can't change it. Here we go. Like now we're just moving forward on to the next thing. Right. Yeah. So that it, even, you know, I think it's so great that you're doing that with your kids right now, because, um, as a business owner, 
uh, that we have conflict within, within our small business. And we oftentimes it's between people and human beings. And I also uh, encourage my team to do the same thing is to have the conversation outside of um, myself without bringing me into it. And um, because I still have to have those conversations with, with people is I don't like the way this is looking like it's going to go down what is my role in it? And it is, and if I don't like it, it's my responsibility to speak up. And I've practiced this over the past couple years because I, um, probably like a lot of us listening have played the victim mode and have, instead of uh, addressing, I have just talked about it to everyone else in a negative way, in a negative light, as opposed to just addressing the issue in the way that I want to with intention to nip it in the bud. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I have a friend who, um, what is it that he says? He says, stop having conversations with everybody but the person. Like if they're not in the room with you, then stop having the conversation. Right? <laughs> or just needs to happen. And, and, you know, like for me being, I really recognize that in myself. And I know I touched on it last time. And, and I promise that this won't be like an ongoing saga of like Heather's divorce story. But I did learn so much about myself. And that was like a really pivotal time for me. But I, a lot of people know my story, especially if you're tuning in for my podcast. When I went through my divorce, I, like, we both came to the decision very amicably. We both decided, hey, like, this, like, there was no drama. We decided that we just got married too young. We're nice people, but the wrong people. And we just kind of went through the motions of all the things that we should be doing in life. And we should buy a house and we should get careers and we should have another kid and we should do this and we should do that. And you know, we just kind of like got ourselves into this situation where just, we just kind of realized like, oh, uh, this isn't like, we didn't have any intention behind this, which kind of created this life and we just kind of happened upon it. So then in the process of it, as I had touched on last time a little bit, is like divorce, whether there's drama or not, it does kind of tend to bring out the worst in people. Yeah. And for the longest time, I told the story of how, my husband left the country and I was stuck with all of the financial responsibilities with me and my two little children and poor me, poor me mm -hmm. because I just watched my car get repossessed from my driveway. Poor me because I'm moving out of my house because the bank is going to take it. And it wasn't until <clears throat> I changed that story for myself and saw my own responsibility in it that my life actually changed. Did that happen? Did he actually leave the country and kind of like check out? Yes, 100%. Like that is a true statement. However, I also emotionally checked out and I played the victim. I played into that role. Mm -hmm. Poor me. I'm helpless. I can't do anything about it. I'm just stuck. I buried my head in the sand and I started to suffocate down there because if you've ever buried your head in the sand long enough, you start gasping for freaking air. So for a year and a half, I told myself that story and I had moved into this apartment with my kids, tiny little apartment. And one day I just woke up and was like, wow, like I, I really am being a victim here and I have just as much control as this guy does. And yeah. I'm not doing anything about it. And wow. why am I being such a victim? And it was only in that process that like, you know, like spoiler alert, there's a happy ending to the story. <laughs> um, 
I was able to take ownership. I was able to call the bank of my house and be like, hi, I know you've been trying to call me for a very long time and get money from me. And I moved out. I avoided the house. I stopped responding to things. That's on me. That's not on him solely. That's on me too. And I took ownership and I took the steps to get my house back and move back in with my kids and reclaim my life. And it was, I would not have been able to do that if I continued to play the victim in my life. That would have, I would not have the life that I had today that I have today. If I continue to see things as things happening to me and poor me instead of yes, things happen in my life. And then Mm -hmm. how do I react to them? How do I work with that? And how do I take some power back in that too? Because it's always two-sided. There's always two, like whether it's personal relationship, your parenting relationship, your relationship with your significant other, relationship with your family members. Like it's never one-sided. There are things that happen that have impact that sure, they may affect you, but from there, you take the power and the ownership to not be a victim in that and move forward in such a powerful way. And I just need more people to talk about yeah. this beyond that. Absolutely. As you're telling your, your story, and I hope that our listeners, as they're listening to our stories of finding ourselves in, in the mode of victim, can maybe, maybe see that in themselves a little bit. And then um, I want to also, before I share my story, just thank you, Heather, for, for opening up and being so vulnerable on this podcast because it, I learn from myself by listening to other people's stories because through your experience, I can see my own, mm-hmm. right? So as you were sharing your experience, it reminded me of when I got pregnant at 20 and was living over in Florence, Italy studying uh, abroad and decided to drop out of Gonzaga and move home and get the job and um, really, really found myself playing the victim, right? I had to do all these things where uh, the other party was able to continue with quote unquote life. Mm. And at that time, my mentality was mine was over. Mm. And mine was completely, completely stalled, stopped because of, of the situation I found myself in. And um, one of the things that I that helped me get through that was, and, it's, and it goes back to our last conversation, is one of my girlfriends that I was hanging out with at the time started talking to me about how she bought her first house when she was a single mama. And I was like, hold up. Okay, if you could do that, could I? And then I started the conversations with the lender and with a real estate agent. And I purchased my first house by myself at 23 as a single mom. Mm -hmm. Had I not surrounded myself with someone who was not playing the victim mode, I don't know how long I would have stayed there. And um, I kind of piggybacking on the fact that there are two sides to every story or lenses Mm-hmm. I had as much responsibility in the situation as the other party, right? Mm-hmm. And it was um, hard and difficult and painful and all the things to realize that. But once I did, man, I turned my life around and man, um, I took my power back, like you said. Yeah. And so I, again, thank you for sharing your story because you were able to allow me to see my part in my story by you sharing yours. And I think that that's going to hopefully 
that's going to not hopefully yeah. be a powerful part of these conversations that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing yours as well. And so now it's time for our listeners. It's time for you to think and reflect on this conversation, this topic. And like Maddie said before, like bring this up with a girlfriend, like talk about this with other people. And what does that mean to you? Like, what does, like, have you ever thought about life through that lens? life through the lens of playing the victim role before, or is this kind of a new concept to you? If it is, it's probably rattled you a little bit. And hopefully our vulnerability in our stories also just helps cast a light. And it's not to shame anybody. Like everybody does it. We all have done it. And mm -hmm. there's still times where I have to like be self-checking myself mm -hmm. and making sure that I am looking at it from the right lens, because that's the only thing that's going to propel me forward. So Absolutely. that's our question for you is look at your lens. Do you play the victim role in your life? Okay, we are back. We are here to talk about owning your emotions as a female in the workplace. We as women oftentimes get a lot of slack, if you will a lot of uh, pristine comments about how we show up as women, mm -hmm. um, especially I have found in my experience in male-dominated industries, but mm -hmm. the surprising amount of women that also kind of shame us when we mm -hmm. show up kind of in our feminine power. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about that today and, and just talk about how it's okay to use the power of our emotions mm -hmm. as women in the workplace and like leaving that gender discrimination at the door because mm -hmm. to me that's just utter BS and I'm really sick of it. I've experienced certain situations where I've been told I'm too emotional and mm -hmm. I had to deal with that in my own different ways and I also like it caused a lot of self-reflection and self-check. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm sure that you've experienced your fair share as well. And so I just, I want to talk about that because it's a touchy one and it's one that, um, you know, like the countless comments of like, you must be on your period, you know, like oh, yeah. all of like the things. <laughs> I just, it like infuriates me. And mm. I also, I do want to say this real quick. Nothing that... I ever say or do, and, and I've shared this with my She Leads Me audience before, is that I, there's no like male bashing that happens. I'm just talking about certain situations that have happened to me. Mm -hmm. Not talking in generalization. I'm talking about specific situations, whether again, they are male or female that have happened. It's not I hate men club. I love men. I have a really great person that I live my life with and I have a great father and I have a great brother. And there's like a lot of men in my life that I really, really love. So I do mm -hmm. want to preface this with yeah. this will never be a place that you will hear about just like the bashing of men at all on any level. We are here to talk about topics and conversations and experiences that we've had to help empower and educate us and how we have dealt with things and just opinions and stuff that we have to move forward and how we also kind of navigate through this era where we have this rising of strong women 
and mm-hmm. this old school mentality that's like trying to suppress it mm-hmm. and kind of like the combustion that happens in that place, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I found that. Um, so I started, you know, I've owned my own insurance agency for 11 years now, which is definitely has been a male dominated industry. And I've learned um, to suppress my emotions extremely well. Mm. And for me, um, I've had some pretty scary negative health effects of suppressing stress and suppressing my emotions. Yeah. And so what's that? What happened? I had a couple years ago, a full on panic attack. I thought I was having a heart attack. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and you know, the remedy to a panic attack is therapy. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, at first I don't have time for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've like businesses to run. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, when I went to therapy, my therapist said, you know, I just want you to come in here and cry because what I have been taught, uh, in, in the industry that I, that I surround myself with, have my, my business in is we don't cry. We do not cry. We don't show emotion. Mm. Uh, we come at it from our masculine perspective and our feminine perspective is not useful. Mm. And so I've really, I've the last couple of years, I've really had to rewire myself and um, get tap into my emotional side. And it has opened doors that I never thought were there and my business has never been better. So I'm excited to talk about this conversation, to talk yeah. about emotions right now, especially in the workplace, but also at home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get pushback at first when you started to open up those doors for yourself emotionally? For, yeah, pushback from myself. I, I didn't, I don't cry, right? Yeah. I don't show emotion like that. And once I started to show up as a human being in my office, especially with my team, um, a human being with emotion, with feelings, um, I was more real. Yeah. I became more approachable. Um, I became um, a confidant. And um, like I said, the business is, has never been better. And the relationships within my business have never been, de- been better. When I talk to my team about um, the amount of time we spend at the office or together, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, we spend way too much time together to not be building each other up. And so by showing up real and vulnerable and authentic, and sometimes that's with tears, it has made the workplace more enjoyable and less fake. Yeah. So in that moment in therapy, after the panic attack, how long did it take you to tap into that emotional like it was an immediate like yep we're turned on like it's all we're all steam full steam ahead or what was that process like for you it took a really long time I thought oh my god you are crazy Mr. Therapist (laughs) (laughs) like I'm gonna pay you how much money to cry Uh what have you been talking about it took it took me a long time and I don't want to scare anybody by telling you it's been years right and it's still a process (laughs) but but it's it has Mm-hmm. And really learning to listen to my body as yeah. opposed to staying in my head. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is so key and important to really find out how you tap into that and tap into it in a way that's like productive, right? Because the last thing we also want to do is show up in the emotional place that's just kind of like we're dumping. Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to show up emotionally because of outside factors, because you're having a bad day, because of anything else to do 
with things outside of the topic at hand that you're discussing, right? Mm -hmm. So very appropriate to show up with emotion and passion about what is relevant in front of you. And in a way that, again, doesn't dump on people, it might make people feel uncomfortable if you show up in your emotional place. And that's okay. That's not for you to own. That's for them to figure out and go to their own therapist about. But it is something that we do have to be aware of, like not stifling our emotions, but how are we showing up in a way that is that we use it as power, we use it as pro, like as a productive thing yeah. and, and something to move the needle forward. Because if we're at that place where emotion is kind of like bubbling up and arising, Mm-hmm. It's probably at a place of like conflict or staleness or being stuck where the the needle needs to be moved forward and some decisions need to be made. Um, and then passion comes out, right? Because you're just like, whatever it is that you're doing or whatever the situation that arises in, like there's something within you that's kind of releasing that. And uh, when used in the right way can be so powerful and mm-hmm. productive. And uh, I just, I think that, the one thing that I really wanted to do today was also just like give women permission to be that and to not allow other people to tell you like how you are to be. And I know I can speak for myself and when I was in my CEO position, uh, I, I would get so frustrated Mm -hmm. because my board members loved who I was outside of the boardroom. They loved Mm -hmm. that I was a compassionate person that I did have like healthy emotional things happen where I could connect with the people in our office that made me a really dang good CEO that I could lead people. I could help them build their businesses because of who I was. But when it came time to make some decisions that impacted my people Mm -hmm. in the boardroom and the emotion came with it because I am so passionate and I like, I'm still so passionate about those people, even though I'm not there. Then it was almost this power struggle of this downplay or this like, you know, like, Oh, well you're just being an emotional female or again, like the period or the whatever, right? Like all of the inappropriate things to try to take away something because they felt uncomfortable because they didn't know how to work with that. Right. I think it's really important to also um, not apologize for that Mm. because when something does bubble up, it means like you said that we're passionate about it and that there is something there that, that probably needs to be uncovered and discussed Mm -hmm. that uh, society and other people who are going to be uncomfortable are going to want us to suppress, right? Mm -hmm. Push that down. You're making me uncomfortable. There's no, there's no room for that. And a lot of times when I'm on conversations or in coaching calls with women and they get emotional because they're so passionate, yes, they apologize. And I want to just remind everybody that we do not need to apologize for our emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing we need to do. We can own them and we can listen to them because it's pretty, it's intuition and our intuition is so powerful. And the more we suppress it and ignore it, um, I don't think. The, the worse off we will be. We really right. do need to tap into that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do, don't need to apologize for it either. No, not at all. 
So we just, we, we wanted to bring that up and I, I, you know, there's like, I'm sure so many, I have heard so many stories of women really struggling with this. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, we want to hear from you if there's anything specific that you'd like us to tap into or talk about with those different things. Overall, we just really want to encourage you and empower you to like, that is one of our greatest superpowers as women one of the greatest. There are some amazing leaders out there because they have empathy, because they have, they've tapped into this level of emotion where they can resonate with people. And that's what people want. They want to be able to resonate with you as a human. Like you said, Maddie, it's just like, they just, they want, when you started showing up as a human and Mm -hmm. connecting with people on that level, that's like such a huge game changer and should never be quieted by anybody else because of how they feel about it right? It's, it's a really good time and place to reflect, Mm -hmm. make sure that like, you know, you're taking responsibility for your emotions and as trying to be as clear as possible and Mm -hmm. understanding where they're coming from, right? Like if you're just having a bad day, like it's never okay to just like unload on anybody, right? Like ever, we know that we all know that. (laughs) Right, right. Right. Uh, we don't get to we don't get to play it off and be like, well, Heather and Mar- Marty said that they, you know, we could do this and like this is going to be fine. <laughs> We're not giving you permission to do that, but own that power, mm-hmm. especially when you, like you said, like when it bubbles up and you feel that place of passion, like, and just take take the permission. We're giving you a permission slip right now to own that and absolutely be confident in that as women because mm-hmm. it is such a beautiful thing that brings in a diverse, unique look in the male dominated workplace, right? Or to other women that have learned to suppress that and also try to shame you in that as well. Like if that's who you are, tap into that, tap into that more. I was listening to Oprah on Super Soul Conversations the other day and she uh, got, um, she, Oprah doesn't cry very much. Right. And she was telling a story and she got really choked up and I was like, there she is. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I could feel her through the podcast, through my earbuds and you know, she was able to continue on and have an amazing conversation, but allowing us to see that empathy, right. That level of like being able to see who she was talking to and feel their emotion was beyond powerful. Mm-hmm. So if Oprah can do it, we can do it. Absolutely. It's just, and people do resonate with that. I can't even tell you how many times I've cried in front of a group of people I've spoken to. <laughs> yep, totally. I always hear back that like, that was the moment for people that like resonated with them. That was the moment where like something hit home for them and helped change their life or their perspective or their experience in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, like the very first time I ever did it, I was embarrassed. I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose it. Like, this is like, I'm on, like, I can't do this. I can't do this in front of people. When I started crying at the end of my event in Seattle, like in front of a hundred people, I was like, Oh boy, the people are never going to come back. Like, Oh my gosh. Like I just like really went to a super vulnerable place and I crossed the line. No, I didn't. Like that was the thing that I heard more about than any, any of the other content that we did. Yeah. You didn't cross the line. You invited each one of us in the room to come over and to step over that line with you. Mm. It was a really beautiful moment. 
Oh, thank you. So be empowered, take the permission slip that we're handing you and show up in that space. It's a beautiful space to be. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of, of the She Leads Me podcast. If you enjoyed the show, would you please do us a favor? Would you mind heading on over to iTunes and leaving us a five-star review? It greatly helps us reach other women just like you who are looking to tap into information just like this. Thank you. We really appreciate it.